Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Uh, I think we're going to have an excellent episode tonight. Actually, I know we are. Tonight, the topic is Beyond the Known Realization. And our guest tonight is Paul Selig. We're going to bring Paul on in just a minute, but I wanted to talk about the notion of this next chapter that we're just uh, giving birth to, this next chapter of our human story, our human paradigm. I suggest to you the conditions are ripe for legions of sages and mystics and alchemists awakening from the everyday rank and file of humanity. If you look at the metrics, if you will, that that we're operating under, there's 7 billion plus people on the planet. Humanity is very frustrated, I would say, with some of the storyline that's playing out. Uh, we've been in the karmic pressure cooker, if you will. And I think what's unique um, in some ways about this time that we're living in is our connectivity. Right now you can be listening to this episode anywhere on the planet live. The material that we're going to cover tonight is exceptional. I suggest every human being, you, me, the neighbors, every human being on the planet is a a point of human potential, if you will. And what we're learning as more and more of us uh, progress through our spiritual journey, progress through the evolution of our own consciousness, if you will, that there's really an infinite stream of inspiration, an infinite well of potential within every one of us. And as, as we've done here so many times in the New Human Living radio show, we've explored the power of human consciousness. That's pretty much the theme of the show. So as more and more people set an intent to really hone their spiritual journey, to really hone the reawakening, if you will, of their divine potential, I suggest we're going to see new archetypes, new um, personas, if you will, that um, weren't so prominent in, in the history of our past. And as more and more people discover the truth of who they are, As more and more people discover that, there's a hundredth monkey effect. And so I think that uh, (laughs) human consciousness is going to break open in, in very exciting, very powerful ways in this next chapter of our human story. And your soul made damn sure you are here to experience. How cool is that? Hey, you know, um, the episode tonight was pre-recorded. If uh, if you happen to check out Paul Selig's um, 
scheduled for tonight. He's actually doing a live event at the same time. But this recording is exceptional. We recorded this a while back, and we've had Paul on the show many times. And I think this time we took a deeper dive. We got a little deeper into the material that Paul channels. I suggest the material Paul channels is calling us to our awakening, calling us to... Um, be able to really have a pliable experience with a reality, if you will. A pliable, what was seen as static in the past becomes more lucid and pliable. Well, let's get to it. Again, the topic of the show tonight is beyond the known realization. Now, that's the first book, Realization, is the first book of a trilogy that Paul is writing, the Beyond the Known Trilogy. So tonight we're talking about the first book of that trilogy, trilogy, Realization. And if you don't know who Paul Selig is, um, he has done a breakthrough works of uh, channeled literature, really, a very, very compelling, very comprehensive material. He is a spiritual channel. He has recorded a program for personal and planetary evolution. Boy, how he has he. <laughs> Guiding us to awaken to our own divine nature. The first book in his highly anticipated Beyond the Known trilogy, Realization, is creating buzz among lifetime fans and new followers alike. Paul is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. In his breakthrough works of channel literature, I Am the Word, the Book of Love and Creation, the Book of Knowing and Worth, the Book of Mastery, the Book of Truth, and the Book of Freedom, author and medium Paul Selig has recorded an extraordinary program, to say the least, for personal and planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. I think we should get right to it. Uh, listen in to this episode that was recorded earlier. And welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks Thanks for having me. It's always been a pleasure. You've been on our show several times now, and it, I'm delighted to have you back. Good to be here. So, Beyond the Known, Realization. So, this is... Uh, the first book of a trilogy is that is that right? That's correct. I tell you, <laughs> um, I've immersed in your material quite a bit, and the the context, the content, both of the material, is um, very profound um, because the the way I I measure somebody's. Uh, um, stance, if you will, I don't know if that's the right word, is the language that people use. I mean, your language is kind of a reflection of who you are. And the material that you channel, I tell you, from my perspective, seems like really high caliber um, love for humanity, if you will. What's your sense of it? Well, I know what it's like to take the dictation. I mean, I understand you know, that my vocabulary is being used, although occasionally they've given me words that I haven't known, that I haven't been very willing to repeat, um, or they've used words that I, you know, thought meant something other. 
um, so I'm aware of, of of the kind of dictation that comes through. But, you know, I'm not the author of the book. I'm really the, the scribe or the stenographer or the radio that it's broadcast through. All of the books are the, uh, the transcriptions of, of spoken channelings, um, and they're unedited. I know that the feeling of the transmission is one of love. I mean, there's no question about that. There's no fear in the transmission. There's no judgment either, I have to say, although occasionally... I find, you know, amusement and chastisement and <laughs> once in a while a, a, a bit of outrage on the parts of the guides. But I, I sometimes wonder if that's not for effect to get a point across because they seem to at times have issues with how we treat one another and ourselves. Um, but no, the, 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 the energy that comes through when this work is happening through me is is deeply loving yes well it okay now you've struck my curiosity um can you you mentioned uh um i think you said outrage um how can you give us a context or some kind of uh a, a deeper look at at how that came about well i mean it's a, it's it's the tone or the adamants at times that the channeling can take I remember once years ago, I was channeling in a center in San Francisco, and it was actually, uh, I think, had been a convent or a monastery or something that had been, you know, put to a new use. And I was channeling there, and the guides said, you know, that they wanted to take us farther and that they were challenged by a belief that many were holding around the idea of original sin. And when they went off on original sin, you know, they, they were not too pleased with the concept <laughs> at all. Um, but it did turn out because we actually took, we found out afterwards, I wasn't raised Catholic, and I really don't know if I fully even understand the concept of original sin, but it turned out there were, you know, at least half or two-thirds of the group had been raised Catholic, and there was actually a nun in the group as well. So, I mean, it was pertinent to the group. Um, but at the same time, I've heard them say, you know, we're here to learn. We can learn through whatever we choose. If we want to learn through, you know, blowing ourselves to kingdom come, we can. And right. there's no judgment about that, too. It's another way to learn. It's not the highest way. And they don't seem to be telling us that that's going to be happening. But they are making us accountable for how we choose and understanding the ramifications that are present if we wish to continue to choose in fear or in some belief in separation, which they say we've been, you know, very moored in for a very, very long time. Right. And, you know, I, I have to think about, uh, um, for myself, being a parent, and you've got a little kid, you, you know, your kid, you're you're raising a kid, and you're trying to tell him some fundamental thing like, be careful around the stairs or you're going to, you know, do a few somersaults and bang yourself up. And and it, perhaps they don't listen or perhaps they uh, forget or something will distract them. Mm -hmm. And and they go back to the stairs. And, and as a parent, you just kind of cringe. It's like, Jesus, how many times do we have to <laughs> – how many times do we have to visit this topic before you figure out 
that it's in your best interest to pay attention. And that's kind of the sense I get, perhaps, from the guides when they're like, well, we've told you this two or three different times in different ways. We're going to change her tone of voice and just kind of boom it into your consciousness, if you will. I mean, that's possible, you know. I, I think they're they're dealing with me. You know, I'm the, the radio that they're playing through. I have my own resistance to some of the teachings. You know, I find it challenging on many levels, and it's challenging to feel responsible to the level that I do for the transmission, even though I'm not the teacher, it's still coming through me, and my my name appears on the cover of these books that I didn't write. So I <laughs> right. do understand that I'm not necessarily the, the, the best student of their teaching. I do my best with it. Um, I know that the repetition, which is in all of the books, truthfully, all the books are very different, but the themes are extraordinarily consistent, are present, and they're present, I, I feel, in higher levels of understanding as you move through them. You know, the very first book, which they dictated almost 10 years ago now, I guess it is, maybe it is 10 years, 2009 it was, um, you know, I, I feel sort of holds the DNA for the other teachings that followed, but I wouldn't have been able to understand what they're teaching now 10 years ago. Right. Much, much different than I originally thought. Well, do you feel like, um, I mean, I'm sure it, it's prominent in some sense, but over these 10 years of channeling, how is your perspective of uh, the view of perhaps your own life and and the content of this material, how they're, they're uh, continually um, raising our perspective, if you will, of our relationship with reality, if that makes sense. I mean, how have you seen yourself evolve with this? It's a hard question for me to answer, and I suspect it depends on what day I'm asked how I would answer this. I'm told by people that have been coming to the workshops for years how very different I am. And I don't necessarily experience it, although I'm living in a completely different life than I was Ten years ago, I left a career in academia that I'd had for 25 years and a kind of security and a large sense of privacy in my life that I, I don't feel quite now, which I, I miss in some ways. I'm not a public person, and I'm aware that when I'm channeling and you know how I channel is challenging for many people. Just watching it, it looks crazy, and I, I can't blame them for thinking that. But I've learned to show up for this work in a very consistent way and often in spite of myself. But I feel sometimes that I'm running the energy so often and speaking so frequently that what I'm not necessarily getting or what the students of the work get, which is the opportunity to reflect and integrate and work with it you know, more practically, if you can imagine you know, turning on a faucet and filling up a glass of water and then sitting there with the water and drinking it and tasting it and understanding the water. I've got this faucet that's always running. And right. So much so when I think about it, there have been, you know, six, seven, eight books now because the eighth is completed 
um, in, you know, nine years, I think, of dictation, um, plus thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of lectures. So, you know, I'm living a very different life. I'm grateful for the life I'm living. Um, it's a kind of life I would not have anticipated. I seem to operate on one level with much less fear than I used to, but at the same level, my sensitivity has increased, which means I'm, you know, oddly more porous because of how I work, which is personally challenging for me, you know, because I, I have these sort of cilia, this sort of psychic, you know, receptors that are, you know, really on high much of the time. And that's a gift, you know, but it's, it creates a level of sensitivity that's not always comfortable. Oh, sure. So that's how I would answer it today. Tomorrow you might get a very different answer. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. We only have this now. Wait, here's another one. I mean, well, you bring an interesting point to it in that um, I I think the material is uh, – is, um, I, I guess I'd use the word deep in the sense that it's so far off of normal, if you will. I mean, if you talk about um, the sensitivity uh, uh, of your awareness becoming more uh, sensitive and more and more um, open and clear, perhaps I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, through that um, clear lens, so to speak. As you go into uh, the the public realm, into society, the the chaos of the public realm has always been there. But through your sensitivity, you're seeing it in a new light, perhaps. Well, I mean, I I don't know that that's true. I my experience that I'm describing is is somewhat selfish, which is you know. Uh, if somebody is talking crap about me that I've never met in Nebraska, I can probably feel it. I don't know who it is or where it's coming from. You know, it's 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 the empathic ability. You know, they they call me a medium for the living. So, in addition to the channeling work that I do, where I'm taking dictation, my practice as a psychic is tuning into other people. So, if you want to know what's going on with your daughter and you give me your daughter's name. I can step into your daughter, I may begin to resemble her, and I can hear her. You know, the work that I do really is telepathic, and I find that, you know, I can tune into many radio stations. As long as somebody's still alive and has a body, they're pretty easy for me to get. People that have crossed, I get them usually, initially at least, as they were when they were alive, and then if they want to come through, you know, in some other way, perhaps they will, but I don't consider myself a spiritual medium. Other people do that work very, very well. Right. So the sensitivity is really just about being sort of that open um, at a certain level. And, I, you know, you're talking to me right now, and I just channeled a five-day retreat. And, you know, four of those days, I think I was channeling, you know, for five hours a day. Right. So it's an extraordinary amount of energy to bring through. And then I find after that I'm so open that I sort of want to contract Right. And pull my field in and sort of have as little external stimuli as I possibly can get. I enjoy the work I do, don't get me wrong. It's just sort of like having a sunburn after you've been laying in the sun and enjoying it. It's a little it's a little touchy for a few days afterwards. Right. Well I um and 
Well, I, I thank you again for being on the show because it sounds like you've been through a marathon of time. And uh, I appreciate you t taking time out, if you will, and spending this time with us. I'm happy to. So I didn't understand. Um, your last uh, dialogue gave me some insight how my thinking was off. I had this, this notion of psychically sensitive as somehow related to the the near field, I mean, the area around your body, and what you're telling me is um, your sensitivity is such that um, anybody anywhere at any time can can create stimulus that you pick up yeah. on. Well, I think that's probably more true for all of us than we know. And, you know, I don't think I'm actually all that special. I just think I now have a vocabulary for talking about things. I mean, certainly... You know, the state of the world is something we're all picking up on, and, you know, the chaos of the times is something we're all experiencing in different ways. Um, you know, how I seem to operate um, is, is, is really as a radio that picks up broadcast, and that's what I'm channeling. I'm picking up a very specific broadcast. You know, the guides I work with are teachers, and they're here to teach, and they've been delivering this strangely consistent method, you know, message over the years. I mean, I, I mean, people who know the books well seem to assure me, you know, that there's no contradictions in these books. And, you know, the idea that these books were spoken, you know, and now the last three books, I think, were spoken entirely in front of audiences, you know, for, right. for these, these sessions. It's, it's kind of extraordinary. But, you know, I'm operating in a specific way, and I suspect, because the guides say it's true, we're all radios, and our broadcast is our consciousness. And, you know, my system has been somewhat refined to be able to do this work, and that's happened over the course of years. It wasn't, you know, just an accident. It seems to really have progressed as I've continued to be willing to show up for this stuff. Right. Well, I... I um... I'm a fan of the notion of consciousness being holographic, and that's in every vector that you can think of. In other words, time and space, the past, the future, et cetera, is all present right now. Yeah. And and to be able to – so if everything uh, – it's funny when you say such simple sentences and try to make a, a pertinent point – Everything that exists right now exists right now. I mean, and uh, to be able to tune into any aspect of all that is. I mean, we're living in a in a galaxy. It's yeah. it's uh, I, I, so so when I look at the material um, in your books, it really looks like they're. Their intent is to um, really um, shift the perception of ourselves, if you will, to a. I think they call it the upper room, and and like this this place of higher consciousness where um, reality becomes more malleable. Yeah. And um, when I when I look at the the history of our uh, of our humanity on this planet that is so far that is that is so far out in left field to use a metaphor from anything that we've experienced in in a traditional collective mm -hmm. realm 
it um, it really looks like they're um, intent on awaking this this higher consciousness in us, so we can have literally a completely different experience with the world we live in right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, that is what they're teaching. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, when they teach this, there's an energy that's present, you know, when they work. I mean, it's in all the groups I do. It's in the books as well. And people, you know, often read the books and have the experience of the energy of the guides. But when the guides are teaching this stuff and they're teaching alchemy now, um, you know, they're, they really are talking about how consciousness informs matter and lift is, lifts it to a higher vibration and you can actually feel it i mean they say what you bless blesses you in return and when they work in groups they'll often say you know you you can't make the rock holy it's already holy but you can deny the inherent divinity in the rock and the realization of the inherent divinity in the rock they say changes the rock and your relationship to it that the consciousness we hold is always informing the material realm because we're in vibrational accord to it And that, you know, in order to transform the world that we're expressing through, we have to lift to a higher level of sight in order to lift what we encounter to us. And they call that the upper room. So the physical phenomena that supports this work or is experienced by those of us who are working with it, that's what's so interesting to me because you can't fake it. You know what I mean? And if the teachings were to come through, Without some form of evidence, um, I don't know that I could continue to do it, but it's been this way from the beginning. You know, they, you, they, they work with attunements to energy, and the attunements are done through spoken invocation, and they're quite potent. Um, I mean, you know, they did this work at the very end of this workshop that they just completed last weekend. They began working with the claim, Behold, I Make Things New, as an attunement. Right. And it was extraordinary. You know, I mean, they had, you know, 50 people, you know, split into two groups claiming it for the other side of the room. And you could feel the current and the shifting of the vibration. You know, and I suppose it sounds crazy or impossible unless you're in it. And then when you're in it, it's really hard to deny it. But they began teaching this stuff, I think, about three books ago. And I think they've been preparing for it for a period of time. They talked about, you know, the challenge of language and that language is so invested with meaning and the meaning is all inherited that we're dragging our history to us (laughs) in every claim we make. And the idea of calling ourselves into present time or or re-understanding what we're seeing from a place of the awareness of the inherent divine is what changes that. So the rock stops being the rock as much as, you know, an aspect of the creator, you know, in form. Sure. There's one note playing in the universe. It's just being expressed in all of these different ways. And to remember what the note, the note is or the vibration that informs manifestation will do the shifting for you. I like that. Beautiful. So, I mean, I, uh, so much of this can be a, a, an ethereal or surreal, if you will, experience because our egos tend to have this really concrete view of that's a rock, that's a chair, that's a house. 
and and our egos have such a history of it mm-hmm. and yet the upper room has always and forever existed in our in our psyche in our persona mm-hmm. and uh so now in humanity now here on earth we've we've kind of uh fell into the ocean of belief, if you will, uh, where our egos have created just acres or volumes or just layer upon layer of beliefs about this seemingly uh, uh, real reality around us. And now this teaching comes in and says, well, wait a minute. If I mean, I you've got all this this history that you're bringing to the table if you can shed that if you can loosen it if you can bring the vibration of your ego up into the upper room where there's no consciousness in the history of the past reality becomes pliable in the moment that's what they're saying yes so if you look at the history of the past in our in our human culture i mean just uh, just off the cuff, in the Dark Ages or medieval times, the king wants to wreak havoc on on the population. And in in the past, our egos would say, "Well, we're powerless beings. We have to we have to receive the the punishment or the misery." Mm-hmm. And this new languaging is talking about, "Wait a minute, time out. There's nothing outside of you that is." is rigid unless you hold it rigid. So if you let go of everything, everything becomes um, innocent or pliable or non-threatening. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, since the beginning of their books, they've talked about the kingdom. And their definition of the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all things and all manifestation. And they say the one who sees the kingdom is the one who's aligned to it. And they're talking about aligning to what they call the true self, which is the aspect of self that expresses there already and already knows who he is as of its source and not separate from people and, you know, all that stuff. So their teaching has long been around, you know, embodiment to that level of agreement. But they do talk about agreement as a chord, and they mean a vibrational accord, and they'll often say A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano. And the attunements that they brought through, they're, they're explaining, you know, after several books, that all of these attunements are operating as notes in a chord. And when all of the notes are played concurrently, which is the realization of the notes are present, you're literally operating at a different strata. They talk about octaves. They don't talk about dimensions. I don't hear that word from them hardly, hardly ever. But they say that, you know, we're existing in a shared octave with low notes and high notes, and everything that we see is expressing in tone, you know, within this octave. And what they're doing is they're lifting us to the octave above. Right. And that's done through the attunement and the vibration, and that's where you begin to lift what you encounter, which is how they say a world is made new. I mean, the kingdom is claimed into being, they say, through our presence in it. It's real interesting stuff, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm i challenged by it, certainly. Um, I love it. I just yeah. love it. Well, the uh, it's, from my perspective, 
the upper room has always existed in all of us forever. Yeah. And it's it's we're we're what we're doing is um, deprogramming or shedding the 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 static nature of of reality from our ego, and we're bringing our ego up into the upper room because our ego was what was discordant with the accord mm-hmm. yeah. that was discordant with the pliability of all that is. Yeah, so. Exactly. So if if I look at humanity now and I look at social media and people are saying, oh, woe is this, woe is that, look at this tragedy, look at that tragedy, yeah. that's all folly if we can become uh, come into accord with ourselves and see the divinity of all that is, no matter what the condition was in the previous moment, the new moment affords uh, the the rebirth of of the... Uh, how do they talk about the painting um, pliability? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, so if we fast forward, uh, millions of people are are going to ingest this material over time. It's reawakening the uh, Christ consciousness or the, as you said, uh, alchemist or mystic. And if oceans of those come out of the rank and file of humanity... The threats of the ego of the past will become folly. Well, you're saying it very well and better than I could. Um, I think that's the intent here. I mean, they've said, you know, we've been operating with a false ceiling, like a, you know, a false dropped ceiling, but we've been in collective agreement that it exists. And you know what that's been done is at the cost of our true inheritance, which is our our own awareness of the inherent divine. And they say, when enough people sort of put their fists through that false ceiling, you know the whole thing begins to collapse. It really can't remain. Right. Um, so you know, I I don't know how this happens. I just know what they teach. Um, I'm finding it interesting now in this last year for a number of reasons. There's a whole younger group of people that have discovered this work, um, and it's exciting to see that because they're kind of getting it, right. you know. And uh, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because you know so many of the structures around us now seem to be failing that there's room for another possibility. Um, I don't know why. But it keeps me hopeful about this. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I appreciate what you're saying very much so. It, it's funny because uh, people will uh, uh, bitch and moan about um, the millennial generation. And it's like they don't, they're not buying into our crap. They're not buying into our dogma. They, they have no interest in our, in, in the momentum of our history. And, and I take a step back and think about it. It's like, they don't want to take something on and then turn around and have to take it right back off to ascend into the upper room. So it's it it's almost like humanity is stacking stacking the cards in its favor, if you will, because um, people like you and and many others are bringing a, a clarity of understanding, if you will, of of the sheer potential of our human personas. And then there's right behind us, if you will, is uh, generations of of people 
that don't have the stigma, the dogma that has spent so many decades on the planet. So it's it's almost like the perfect storm, if you will. <laughs> and uh, we've talked about the power of human consciousness on the show so many times. I really smell a, a gigantic transformation of the narrative of our human uh, predicament. Well, you know, the, the guides said in the very first book that humanity was a time of reckoning, and they said a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, and that everything that's been created in fear needs to be reclaimed or renown in a higher way, which now I would guess means in the upper room, because they say all things can be made new at that level of consciousness. And I do think it's a big deal, and I think that, you know, what we're seeing in our world right now is, in some ways, I mean, the guides have called it at different times sort of a, the last hurrah of fear, you know. Right, um, right. But they say, you know, you can't, you know, when you choose in fear gets you more fear, and we're always being invited to make that choice. And until we stop choosing that way, and, you know, separation and greed and all these things are expressions of fear and nothing more you know the need to be controlled you know all these things and so if it's true that these are the things that are you know rocking and you know maybe collapsing i don't know that it's necessarily going to be a very graceful time but i i suspect it may be a time that also holds great promise at least i hope so well and they also state that um our essence is um um, untouchable by human intention. In other words, the upper room, if you will, the 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 higher truth of us as individuals is um, completely out of reach of any human intention ever. So we're really safe, no matter what the hell the paradigm that plays out. Pardon the pun. If it if we go farther into the darkness before we come back yeah. out. We all make it in essence. So, yeah. I mean, the, if you see yourself as an ego, you can wring your hands and, and live in fear. But but there's a, a deeper truth that states that no matter what happens, we all come out the other end. Mm -hmm. I agree. And and it, I, I guess the dance is to see look out into the collective experience and see the chaos, and then and and yet not take it um, as a personal threat or some kind of a volatility of self, so you can stay at rest or at peace regardless of the uh, social storm, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's what the guys are talking about. I mean, it's opportunity. And, um, you know, the true self, they say, is the eternal self. You know, and we know ourselves through our creations, <clears throat> which is, you know, how we operate. Personality is the commerce that we've operated through, how we know ourselves and how we know our world. So this is a big change. So uh, what kind of uh, um, embellishments or insights have they shared with uh, perhaps the role of the human? I mean, the role of 
what we might see ourselves as ego in the sense that uh, we're given such free agency that we can quagmire in ego for lifetimes. And and, uh, if the ego didn't have a value or a purpose, I don't see it sticking around very long. Well, it's what we've been learning through. It's how we choose to learn, you know, and we can learn through anything. We can learn through fear as long as we want to. You know, we can learn through blowing ourselves up, but we don't have to. So, you know, the the idea of personality, which they say is pretty much a construct, you know, it's based on, you know, how we, who we, you know, when we're born, who we think we are, what our parents taught us, what, you know, the culture of our birth all of those things and you know it's a way that we renegotiate this reality but you know my understanding is that the personality structure is is assumed by the true self you know it's essentially reclaimed you know and utilized in a higher way or renowned you know or released if there are things that need to be released the book that they dictated after realization um, which will be out next august is really about the passage between the two states of being what they call you know this octave and the experience of the upper room right it's challenging it's basically what happens when the mask comes off right which isn't pretty (laughs) yeah right well, I think a lot of the struggle of our sense of self or little self or ego or whatever is we have such an identity associated with it. I yeah. mean, you meet somebody for, uh, in general, you can meet somebody for the first time, and it's very common, at least here in the States, for the dialogue to say, well, what do you do? And, yeah. you know, who are you? And and you repeat this monologue like a, mm-hmm. like a cued record, if you will. Yeah. And... And for the ego to let go of that, uh, for a lot of people, that's a sense of uh, not knowing who they are, and and they're afraid of being nobody, if you will. Yeah. But but in that no attachment is the the viscosity or the void, if you will, that affords you the ability to is to bring the ego up into the upper room and then the the totality, if you will, of your consciousness is in accord with itself and there's no part of you that is uh, repeating the the uh, discongruent fear or worry or that that disconnects you from that um, accord. Well said. (laughs) I love thinking about this stuff and I do. And the material in in your books is just I can from my perspective I consider it very high caliber um, um, languaging because it's so eloquent it's it's very simple um, they don't dive a lot into um, detail or theory it's there's a real eloquence to it and from my perspective that is always a reflection of consciousness that embodies what they're talking about mm-hmm. yeah my my experience is, is different because I really am just taking the dictation and I'm just always relieved that it's that it's all made sense you know right and oh sure every time they do a lecture you know I hear one phrase repeated and then I have to speak that one phrase and then everything else tumbles out on top of it 
and they can go on for 30 to 50 minutes, you know, right. and at the end, they'll say thank you, you know, period, period, period. And I just go, did it all make sense? You know, right. Was it all coherent? Were there half-finished sentences? I mean, sometimes their language is so, and their sentence structure is so involved, you know, with, you know, semicolons and, I mean, you know, just parenthetical clause, all these things that I, I don't do very well when I'm speaking. So I'm just, my state is relief, <laughs> the appreciation <laughs> that they've managed it yet again, you know, <laughs> they've never, they so far, I mean, they've never capsized the boat with me on it, you know, even <laughs> when there's an interruption and I have to stop, which is frightening to me when that happens, right. they just pick up the dictation, you know, as if nothing was wrong. And um, I think the only edit we made in the book that's coming out is once they, maybe it's in the book that, that just came out, they told somebody to shut up in the first row in a much more polite way, <laughs> who was making a lot of noise during the channeling. And they, they, they told them to please be quiet. They were, you know, interrupting me. The concern was for me and my ability to work. And then they said, and this is not in the book. <laughs> so they, right. The one edit in the book was they made the admonition to make a cut where they basically instructed somebody to behave. Um, and I suppose, you know, that was appropriate. So that's my experience of that. And I'm appreciative of the fact that people are reading these books, which are really oral dictations, and appreciating them as books, which I think is quite quite a feat, you know, in and of itself. And, you know, it's not it's not beach reading. You know, I know that. It's not, and it's not the books to tell you how to, you know, manifest a better apartment or, a, a, you know, a more prosperous career. I mean, it's not that stuff. And, you know, as a result, I mean, people are are finding this work and, and working with it in, in an interesting way and not, not in a cursory way, which I'm I'm grateful for. You know, it's not it's not easy reading, I think, for many people. It's not for me, you know, um, but I, I understand the value of it. I read the lectures as they're typed now um, because a transcriptionist takes the recording and, and then I, I look at them, um, the ones that are in the books at least, the ones that, that just deliver sometimes, I don't even revisit them, um, but they're all transcribed. And when the book is done, I'll proofread the book, you know, and that's, and usually the, the only time I really fully experience the book as a book is when I'm recording the audio books. And then that's where I really take the journey, which is something to do. Right. Well, I appreciate what you're saying. So, I mean, you're literally um, core dumping. I mean, you're just dumping nonstop, sentence for sentence, book after book after book. Yeah. And and the con the content of it is is flowing through you. And so at some point, Paul, are you are you relaxing enough to trust that they're not going to throw you under the bus like one of them shows up with a tub of jello shots an hour before yeah. and their language goes to shit? <laughs> you know, I don't really worry about that. I don't know. I mean, I I you know, I don't think I'm ever going to get another job in academia, you know. Right. There's too much video of me channeling out there now and and this is Oddly, you know, what I may end up being known for in this lifetime, even though I was doing this so very quietly for so many years, I wasn't looking to be public until, you know, the book started coming through and then I, I didn't have much choice. Um, 
but I don't feel that I don't worry about them not speaking. I don't know what happens. There's there's one more book in this trilogy um, that is due in the fall to the editor this time next year, and I assume they'll start that in the spring because it usually is about three months, and they're because they're mostly just doing them in, in workshops now. All of them in workshops or retreats. Usually three months of retreats will get a whole book done over those weekends or or those five day seminars. But after that, I'm not sure what happens. I don't know if there's another trilogy. I don't know if they're going to say, this has been great, y'all, thanks. You know, right. Or, you know, I don't know that. And then I kind of go, well, I hope, you know, I hope I'll be taken care of and I can, you know. But I can't even really worry about that, you know. Um, what I find and have found thus far is at the end of every book, I thought there's nothing else for them to say. And that's been now the same at the end of every book. Right. And, you know, there's more. So right. I don't worry about them leaving. I worry about them ending their teaching, I suppose, at some point. I don't know. I don't have much context for this. I don't know. You know, I you know, I know there have been people like Steiner who just delivered enormous amounts of material or, you know, Swedenborg. But the, the people that have been working in this century, I mean, Jane Roberts delivered a lot of work. You know, um, but most of us stop at a certain point, it seems, you know, and I don't know why that is. So, right. Not my, not my universe yet. You know, I don't even read other channels work, truthfully. So I find it easier not to. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I've interviewed hundreds of people on this show, and many of them have been other channelers. Mm -hmm. And, from I mean, for what it's worth, from my perspective, I think the the volume and the quality and the clarity of the material you're generating in these books, my my hunch is that it'll ramp up for quite a long time as people as people read the books and then if you will, are able to take and and bring themselves into accord with themselves to uh, purify their ego or however whatever context you want to to convey that with, as they share their stories, I think the book will become more popular and more popular over time. And perhaps this this inertia that you've created with the material you've generated up to this point, is more than adequate to carry you through decades into the future. Well, it's possible. I like to work, you know, and um, I like to show up, you know, most of the time. But I'm curious, and I think the reason I keep wanting to show up for this is I want to see how it ends. You know? <laughs> right. I, I like that. Um, so, you know, it's at this point, I just want to know. I'm in so deep. You know, the first time... <laughs> You know, when I first heard that they were going to, they, that they had a book to write, and that they would, they said they would take two weeks, was you know when I was living a very different life. Right. And now, you know, and I didn't even until it wasn't until the whole the recordings were all typed up, and I did that typing. I went, oh my god, it really is a book. And then the first person who read it, one of the first, the first person I was given to officially happened was was at the Esalen Institute. It was the, the then vice president of, of Tartra Penguin Books. And he took the manuscript back on the plane and it was on the shelf in a few months. I mean the whole thing was, was extraordinary. 
There's been no effort in this. There's been the physical effort of showing up, but the guides seem to have their own trajectory for this work and who finds it and what, what becomes of it. And that much, I, I have to say, I trust. Sure. I can't not trust that at this point. It's been too evident. I'm not trying to make it happen, you know. Yeah. I'm just grateful that it does. Well, and from from my perspective, there's uh, there's different types of human beings walking around on the planet, and and some people are so entrenched in their ego, uh, perhaps staring at their phone, if you will, um, to draw a metaphor, that their soul could shout to them moment by moment all kinds of things they could be doing with their life and it bounces off them like a bug off a windshield mm -hmm. because their ego just doesn't give a rat's ass about um, that kind of information coming down from the upper room if you will yeah. but there's a from my perspective there's a gigantic awakening on the planet with you know the the cliche of spirituality and enlightenment and, you know, the authentic self and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And and this kind of material is exactly what would be, it, it, when the ego uh, has had enough and it, it calls to a higher power and says, I'm tired of this quagmire bullshit. Can you throw me a rope? Show me how I can end this fear, this this suffering, um, this kind of material is is so spot on for for that kind of a response, if you will. And you've brought it into physical form that um, I'm I'm learning to appreciate because, like, say somebody comes and visits you while you channel um, in the coming weekend, and here comes all this information, and they're sitting in the crowd. And it's a wonderful evening, and there's so much information there. And then two weeks later, their their mother passes, or they have some kind of a traumatic emotional event. Typically, in the human persona, a lot of the crap, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of the content of the past gets pushed to the back as we grieve or whatnot. But what you've done is create physical form, books that have pertinence and sustainability, if you will, over time in a person's life. So I suggest you, Paul, that you're going to touch many, many people at an extremely deep level over the, the, the next decades of our of our human paradigm. I, I appreciate hearing that. It's an odd thing for me because I don't feel it. You know, I don't feel ownership of this. Right. I got it. I get that I'm a collaborator. I get that I'm part of it. I get that my name's on the cover, and I get that I have this this strange ability. But I have to say, you know, when I used to teach a really good class at NYU, I felt, you know, like I knew I had done it, and I got, you know, I was really able to sort of own my part in because I really loved teaching, you know, and. You know, or when I was a creative writer in my youth, you know, once it was done, I could really say, wow, that's something. I don't feel that with these things because they're kind of not mine. I mean, it's a bit I expect like what being a surrogate parent must be like, you know. Right, yeah. It comes through you, 
but you know, you know, either elements of me present. I know they use my memory, and God knows I interrupt them enough that I become a character in the books. But um, it's different, and I'm. I hope one day, truthfully, I really genuinely hope one day that I might experience the good of the benefit that the books are doing, because people do tell me, you know. And I'm still strangely flummoxed by it all. You know, I don't feel, I don't feel all that evolved. I don't feel all that awakened. I show up as best I can for what's before me each day. I try to be in my integrity and to tell the truth and to be kind. You right. know, I try to do those things. And I am having a different experience of reality than I thought was possible in terms of, of the the experience of being a channel and, and the psychic abilities that emerged for me as I grew into this. I, it wasn't, I didn't wake up psychic one day going, wow, I'm psychic, how great, let's get a business card. <laughs> the last thing that happened. You know, so anyway, that's my story and then where I'm at with this. You know, They told me once in one of the books, and I wasn't in a book, it was actually in a private session where I sat with a psychic who said, you know, when the guide said, what does Paul need with his own spiritual growth? And the guide said, well, Paul's job is to hold the door open for other people. And I went, oh, no, that's horrible. But, you know, what I got finally after the Book of uh, Freedom, which was the end of the last trilogy, when they told me that I was now welcome to cross the threshold, too. And clearly that's the threshold to the upper room was that holding the door was holding the space for these books to come through. Oh, sure. Doorway. I oh, you bet. I understand it now at that, that level, not like, you know, I'm just, I was relegated to doorman, you know, for everybody else. Well, yeah, but from the perspective of your upper room, so to speak, mm-hmm. decades ago, your upper room saw this paradigm coming down the pike, and, and I mean, you your your mind might see this as, boy, howdy, I didn't see myself writing books, and boy, howdy, I hope this content has some in, integrity and, and positive influence. But the Paul in the upper room saw this as what it is. From my perspective, this is this is very powerful years, very powerful a very powerful chapter of your life, Paul, from my perspective, oh, yeah. that that I think is going to bring you a lot of, uh, um, when you get the feedback from the readers over time, as more and more people ingest this information, I think it's going to touch you at a very deep level in a very wonderful and powerful way. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Well, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. Uh, is there anything you want our listeners to know besides the books? You know, I live stream on, on Wednesday evenings. The guides are teaching, um, and they're taking questions, and I hear the energies as palpable that way as other ways. But all that information's up on my website, which is just my name. It's Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G dot com, and and there's a very active calendar. I'm I'm doing a lot of workshops. I'm usually on tour, so if you check it out, I may be someplace near you. 
Well, very nice. Paul, I want to thank you for being our guest again on the show. You're always welcome to come back whenever you want. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Paul Selig, and the topic tonight has been his latest book, Beyond the Known, Realization. This is the uh, book one of a trilogy. What a great episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed listening to it again. The, as we all move up into that upper room, if you will, through our uh, spiritual evolution, if you will, the uh, more and more of us will start to have a, a shift in how we interact with, quote, reality, unquote. It'll become more pliable, more malleable. And uh, that's what I like about... The, uh, this show, the new Human Living Radio Show, we, I as the host, I love um, taking a deeper dive into the the mechanics of human consciousness, the mechanics of the human paradigm. Don't I mean? Don't you find it curious that millions, if not billions, of prayers have been prayed to? gods, archetypes, angels, whatnot, and 0.0 times has some glowing orb come down from the sky and waved a wand. We're here for the human experience. It's going to be the human persona that brings about the change that we pray for. And when you, when I, when when everyone... Um, uh, can recognize the potential of ourselves as individuals, as an individual human persona. I I would think excitement, adventure, um, and and we're really untouchable. The the truth of us is untouchable by any human condition. So we have this this carte blanche um, condition where we're safe. We're safe no matter what. <laughs> I bet some real ballsy human human beings come along and learn how to fully uh, um, master operating from the upper room. Um, anyhow, time flies by. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode. Subscribe, uh, follow us on the New Human Living Radio Show because we we're coming up on our our 300th episode so we always we always find we look for the uh the exceptional perspective on our human condition i'm your host les jensen as always thanks for joining us tonight until next time this has been a new human living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.